come before you today, and uh, we thank you and we praise you for speaking to us. We thank you that we're not left alone in this world to attempt to figure things out, but you've spoken. You've spoken your truth to us. So I ask now that you would just uh, help us to pause and to listen. You would help us to pause that we would clear our minds and, uh, Lord, that we would truly hear that your word would enter into our ears, into our minds, and then into our hearts, and then to our hands and feet. Help us, Heavenly Father, to be people who are a reflection of the truth of your word. So we ask for your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you for coming today. We want to welcome each and every one of you to Maple Park Church. Uh, we know that if you're gathering with us here in the sanctuary or if you're gathering with us online in the parking lot or through Dial in Church, that it's no accident that you're here. It's the Holy Spirit who gathers us together. It's the Holy Spirit who gathers us for the purpose of hearing his word. And when we hear his word, we are transformed because his word is powerful and his word is effective. So as we gather together around his word, the Holy Spirit does this transformation in us, and that transformation then leads us to go, to go to others with this good news, the good news of the gospel. And that's what we're about here at Maple Park Church. We have three simple words, gather, transform, and go. And that is our vision, that we would be a people gathered, transformed by the Holy Spirit, and going is a visible expression to make a difference in this world. So we welcome you here in this gathering today. As we consider our sermon today, there are certain things in life that we should never underestimate. There are certain things in life that we should never underestimate. The, the, the good sailor, the good fisherman, uh, or the good merchant sailor, he, he, knows, he knows that he should never underestimate the, the power of the ocean. You should never underestimate the power of the ocean. Uh, then, we, then we consider the experienced mountain climber. The experienced mountain climber, she, never, she should never underestimate, and she knows that she should never underestimate the power of the weather on the mountain. You see, there are things in this world, and we know that we should never underestimate the power that they have. And when we're confronted with the powers of nature, we know that nature is beyond our control. And there are other things, too. There are other things in life, spiritual realities, spiritual things that we should never underestimate. We should never underestimate the power of spiritual forces. And I believe that within Western society, there are two realities that you and I most likely underestimate, two powers that we most likely underestimate. And the first one is the reality of spiritual forces. The reality of spiritual forces. The reality that there, that there is, that there is a, a Satan and that there are demons. So we should never underestimate the reality of spiritual forces. And I think that we're also, uh, what goes hand in hand with that is, is we also underestimate the absolute authority of Jesus, the authority that Jesus has over creation 
and over every spiritual force that exists in this world. So as those who are in Western society, I think that we are prone to, under, to underestimate the reality of spiritual forces and to underestimate the authority of Jesus. So the, number one, the reality of spiritual forces. Let's not underestimate that. I think that Satan would want us to believe, to believe that these spiritual forces do not exist. That's where the enemy of the soul of our soul wants us. He wants us in that place where we where we believe that they do not exist and that they are not real. That these things are fantasy, that these things are are myth. And then number 2, the absolute authority of Jesus. And I believe that that Satan wants more than anything for us to to believe that Jesus has no authority over the situation or over the, the hardship that I'm facing in life today or even over the authority or the power of these uh, spiritual forces. So Satan wants to, re to reduce Jesus, to reduce Jesus maybe to just a, a good teacher who taught us to be good people, but that's about it. So within Western society, there are two realities that you and I most likely underestimate. Number one, the reality of spiritual forces, of Satan and demons, and then the absolute authority of Jesus. Our reading today is from Mark's Gospel. And Mark's Gospel reveals to us the reality of spiritual forces and then the absolute authority of Jesus over every force. So would you please stand with me today as we read from Mark chapter 1 verses 21 through 28. Reading in Jesus' name. And they went into Capernaum, that is Jesus and his disciples, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. And he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. You may be seated. Within Western society, there are two realities that you and I most likely underestimate. We shouldn't underestimate these things. Like a good sailor never underestimates the danger of the ocean or the mountain climber. She never underestimates the force of the weather upon the mountain. There are two realities in life that we should never underestimate. First of all, the reality of spiritual forces. Ephesians 6.12 Ephesians 
St. Paul writes, he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Church, our battle isn't with people. We don't have a beef with people. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's where our battle is. That's where the battle is today. And when we underestimate the reality of spiritual forces, I believe that Satan has us right where he wants us. He wants us to believe that he really isn't active, that he isn't up to something. So let's look at what the Bible teaches about angels. And actually, before we learn about Satan, we have to understand that, uh, that really this is wrapped up in the doctrine of angels. So the doctrine of angels starts with creation. In Colossians 1.16 we read, for by him, that is by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, and look at this, invisible, invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So we believe that at some point during the six days of creation that God created angels. And when God created the angels, they were all created good. Because after God had created the heavens and the earth, he said that everything that he created was good. But then at some point after creation, some of the angels rebelled. So there was a rebellion in heaven, 2 Peter 2.4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. So at some point after creation, some of the angels sinned. They rebelled against God. And God committed them to chains of gloomy darkness. And we can be thankful for that today because Satan is chained. Like a vicious dog that would bite, he's chained and he can only go so far. And to that we can say amen, thanks be to God, that Satan can only go so far. And then the Bible teaches us about these spiritual forces. In Mark 5, 9, we learn that they are many, that they are many. When Jesus encountered the demoniac in Mark chapter 5, 9, he says, what is your name? And they replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. Mark 4.15, Mark 4.15 teaches us that they seek to undermine God's word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. I think that's key for us. This verse right here is key for us to look at and to understand where Satan is going to attack us. Satan wants to do more than anything is, is to undermine God's word. According to John 8, 44, Satan is a liar. Satan is a liar. He's actually the father of lies. And then 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, these spiritual forces, they seek to devour 
people. Watch out, your enemy. He's like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So there are many. They undermine God's word. They lie and they seek to devour people. So do not underestimate the reality of evil spiritual beings. How can you spot their activity? How can you and I spot the activity of the enemy? If you let Hollywood inform you, you might think of of dramatic exorcisms, of dramatic uh, uh, demonic possessions, like heads turning 360 degrees, beds levitating, and the famous split pea soup scene. Now, very scary things like that, I, I believe, are a reality. And even Jesus' encounter with people who are possessed in exorcism have a dramatic flair to them. So the dramatic is, is real, but I believe that Satan normally works, especially among us, in very subtle, very subtle and almost hidden ways. He'll convince you that God's word is not true. He'll convince you that God's word cannot be trusted. How many unbiblical ideas have crept into our society? How many unbiblical ideas have crept into our homes? And how many unbiblical ideas have crept into our churches? Satan works in such subtle and sneaky ways. But you know that he's up to no good when he causes us to doubt God's word. In the same way he encountered Eve in the garden and, and, and said, Did God really say? Did God really say? That's how the enemy works. He seeks to undermine the authority, the authority and the inerrancy of God's word. Well, here's the thing, church, when, when I open the Bible and when I read the Bible, honest, I don't really like everything that I read in the Bible. Especially when I come to the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount has some really difficult and, and, and hard teachings. You see, I don't like the fact that I'm, I'm called to love everyone, even my enemies. Or that I'm called to forgive people. Well, that I'm called to bless those who persecute me. I believe that maybe the way the enemy is working right now is within our society, there are certain uh, parts of God's word that people don't like, so then that's an avenue for Satan to sneak in, to slither in, and to cause us to doubt and to not believe and to turn from God's word. When I come across something in the Bible that I don't like, I can't assume that I'm right and the Bible's wrong. So when you come across something in the Bible that you don't like, don't assume that the Bible's wrong and you're right. You know what, if, I, if there's something in the Bible that I don't like, then I, I need to acknowledge that I'm wrong. And I need to acknowledge that God is true. Because I believe that God's word is eternal, that it is unchanging truth, if I like it or not. 
God's word is the final authority. And I believe that his word is, is true light. It is true light that lights the path of life. And that God is the ultimate authority. So I choose not to listen to the theologian or to the philosopher who attempt to undermine parts of the Bible that society doesn't like. Because when the word of God is undermined, that's an opportunity for the devil to slither in. So within Western society, there are two realities that we're prone to underestimate. Number one, the reality of spiritual forces. And number two, the absolute authority, the absolute authority of Jesus. Never forget that that Satan is real and that he's powerful, but he's not all-powerful. Satan is not omnipotent. You see, we don't live in a world of co-equal powers of good and evil. We don't have to be worried, oh, is is Satan going to win in the end? We know that, that Satan cannot win because God is God. And he has absolute authority over all the forces of evil. So though sometimes it seems that the evil within our world is more powerful than the good, and, and so often it seems that way, so many hard and difficult things happen in life, we, we, we think maybe evil is winning. We need to remember that Jesus is all good and he is all powerful. The all powerful nature of God is revealed to us in Jesus. We confess Jesus true God, eternally begotten of the Father, who became true man, incarnate of the Virgin Mary. So when we have Jesus, when Jesus is living in us, it's the power of God that's within us. That's why the people in the Capernaum synagogue were all amazed. It says they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this, a a new teaching with with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and and they obey him. Did you know that every every time a demon had an encounter with Jesus, the demon bit the dust? The demon bit the dust. Satan and Jesus are not equals. There is no equality of power whatsoever. Satan's power is limited. Jesus' power is unlimited. Satan is limited in almost every way to where God has no limits whatsoever. So this is great comfort for us. This is great comfort for us. Never underestimate the absolute authority of Jesus. Jesus is not a created being. Jesus is not a lesser God. He's not only a man who did great things. He's true God. He is true God. And we confess in the Nicene Creed, That Jesus is the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, 
true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Jesus, true God, ultimate authority, final authority. And believe this, church, only his light can pierce the darkness. Only his love can silence the enemy. And only his presence can bring you peace. His authority is a great comfort, a great hope for us who believe. The absolute authority is is not an authority that, that beats us into a pulp. Oftentimes when we think of authorities, we think of those who are domineering. Of, we, we think of those that would, would subjugate us. But the absolute authority of Jesus is not an authority that beats us into a pulp. It's an authority that heals us. It's an authority that speaks words that make us whole. It's an authority that vanquishes the powers that lie to us. The powers that deceive us and seek to destroy us. But then I ask the question, how does the incarnate Jesus who dwelt in flesh on earth 2,000 years ago come to us? Wasn't it great for those people back then? Jesus was there with them in the flesh. If he had a problem, you just went to Jesus and he brought healing or deliverance. But what about us? What about us living 2,000 years later? Church believed this and never doubted that Jesus still comes to us. He's still present with us. In his authority, he comes to us in the authority of his word. He comes to us in the authority of his word. The written word is from the living word. And it's your comfort today. It's your comfort today. His light pierces your darkness by the authority of his word. By the authority of his word, his love silences the enemy. By the authority of his word, his presence brings you peace. Are you in his word? Are you reading it? Meditating upon it? Praying it? Living it, don't, don't think of, of his word as, as, as law, as, as, as a burden. Think of his word as a gift, a gift to open and to read and to be nourished and satisfied by. I'm getting to, uh, to know this Anglican poet, Malcolm Geit, not personally, but through uh, the internet. Malcolm Geit beautifully pins the, this truth in his poem which reflects upon Satan tempting Jesus in the wilderness. And Malcolm Geit writes this, Jesus, he's speaking of Jesus, Jesus, he feels the famine of the ones who lose. He, Jesus, he, he starves for those whom we have forced to starve. He chooses now for those who cannot choose. He is the staff and sustenance of life. He lives for all from one sustaining word. His love still breaks and pierces like a knife, the stony ground of hearts that never shared. God gives through him what Satan never could, the broken bread 
that is our only food. God gives through Jesus what Satan could never give. Without the word of God, we would remain under Satan's cruel curse. Without the word of God, we would have nothing that overpowers the devil's lies. And without God's word, we wouldn't know and trust in Jesus. In Jesus who died upon the cross. So as I look at at Jesus' defeat of Satan in the wilderness, it's like, it's like here's the battle, it's begun. It's like D-Day. And the decisive victory was won at D-Day. But then the cross, the war is over. The enemy is defeated at the cross. So know that he is a defeated foe. And then one day Jesus is coming again. He's coming again to judge the living and the dead. And on that day, Satan will finally be judged. And once and for all, finally, he will be thrown into the lake of of fire from which he will never come again to tempt us, to lie to us, or to attempt to destroy us. So in the word, you have Jesus. And when you have Jesus, the reality uh, that, that evil spiritual forces are defeated, that they can't conquer you, is what rules your life. So you are victorious. You are victorious today because of Jesus' victory. And Jesus is the ultimate and final authority. So today, church, take God's word, see it as a gift See it as gospel, not as law, not as a burden, not as something, oh, I have to read the Bible today, but as pure gift for you. Church, read it. Pray it. Trust it. And live it. And don't underestimate the power of God. Don't underestimate the power of God at work through his word. So maybe there are three things we underestimate. The reality of spiritual forces, the authority of Jesus, and the power of his word at work in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the truth of your word today. And Lord, I know that that many people are listening to the sermon here in, in the sanctuary over the internet through uh, the radio or through dial in church, Lord, wherever people are at today. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would uh, come to them and and bring comfort to them and and let them know the truth, the truth of of this poem by by Malcolm Geit. That God gives through Jesus what Satan could never give. So I pray now that is, just take a time of, of of silent prayer, just to do business with God, to reach out to him, to confess sin, and to say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you as my only Savior. Lord, we thank you.
and we praise you, that your authority is at work in our midst right now. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would cast out Satan. And I pray that the light and that the clarity and that the nourishment of your word would be made real to us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.